1: Lone Star Transfer. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
0: Christ was born His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break for the slave is a brother. grateful chorus raise, we let all within us praise his holy See am
1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. And we're going to have a lot of noise interference today. The house is torn up. I've had a painter in the house all week. There's dust everywhere. And now they're replacing the driveway. And it's right beside my broadcast window. I almost canceled the broadcast for today and then said No. I have a very important word from the Lord for us. I'm going to share it. So please be patient. I have no complaint. I have no I have no grumbles. I rejoice in Jesus. And I'm going to share this message with you. And if the Lord sees fit, he can quiet the noise. And if not, I'm just going to charge straight ahead. There's a parable that I have always been uncomfortable with. The parable is found in Luke, the 18th chapter, beginning with verse 9. Now, before we charge into this parable, I want to pray with you. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I can't present this today without your Holy Spirit power. And I'm praying that you will overwhelm every sound and every noise and every blockage for my brothers and sisters to hear this word very clearly in their hearts. And Lord, we just humble our hearts before you and say, Jesus, we trust you. You are the Almighty, the King of heaven and earth. Lord, we just praise you. Let this word be from your Holy Spirit. Let me just disappear. Holy Spirit, come forward. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. For these issues that I'm going to speak with my brothers and sisters about cannot be heard without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now this parable is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now I've never wanted to identify with the Pharisee. And likewise, I've never quite felt like I could identify with the publican or the tax collector. I was somehow separate from both. I now see how wrong I was. He told this parable to some who had put their trust in themselves that they were righteous. That is, they thought that their practice of religion, their fasting and their praying, their reading of the word, they're being constant. They somehow, through self discipline and through self sacrifice, believed that they were righteous. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous. That is, dikasune in the Greek, they were innocent. that they had made their peace with God and they were saved and I hear Christians regularly say I'm saved I'm on my way to heaven I know I'm saved but when I look at their life it's clear to an outsider that they yet have a great deal of pride and that they really Love the world and the things of the world, and yet they say, Oh I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven i'm 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 good to go. I know where I'm going when I die, really? That's what the Pharisee said, but there was another aspect to this, and there always is he trusted in himself but he despised others. He thought he was better than other people. He looked down on them. He was contemptuous of them. They didn't measure up to his standard, and so they were cast aside as worthless, as without value. They were beneath him. Somehow, we have been able to call ourselves Christians to call ourselves the church and yet with without compassion despise others who don't have the smell test right who have not yet been made righteous and instead of compassion there's judgment instead of considering others better than ourselves there is a self-righteousness that has the stench of Phariseeism about it I've been here I've walked in this where I've thought hey I'm good to go I'm good to go to heaven. Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. It's unconditional love. I'm saved. Well, at the same time, walking in pride, in arrogance, thinking that my generosity to the poor that my kindness to the downtrodden somehow gave me a leg up over them. And when those poor did not perform according to my understanding, I said, I'm done with them. I have right now a, a very poor family. They're not married. They're living with each other. Should I help them? They're poor. Well, I don't want to waste the Lord's money. I don't want to waste the Lord's money. And I've said to this man, you need to go get a job. And he said, yes, I would, but but she doesn't want me to because she needs me to take care of her because she's so sick, going blind, crippled. She needs him. and I would despise them I would look down on them and say well you haven't measured up to my expectations so I'm not going to help you you don't deserve my help you're filthy away from me you evildoer there's something wrong with that there's something of that that Smells of the Pharisee—it doesn't pass the the smell test. And then, of course, among Christians, there are there are the proud. I've made so many mistakes in my ministry and in my life. I've had so many people look down on me because of those mistakes and criticize me and judge me. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be cut off from family and friends because they consider me beneath them, less than if I were just smart like they are, I wouldn't make those stupid mistakes. I understand. I'm not angry about it. I just know that's the human heart. That's the human spirit. Uh, Part of what I see in that despising of others is that they seem to think very highly of themselves and go the extra mile to provide for their comfort, for their pleasure all the time very critical accusatory it seems that on the internet we're very free to judge quickly those we think that are wrong the so-called prophetic gifts open a person up for great criticism A man has dreams that he believes comes from God, and so he shares those dreams, and then when they are not fulfilled exactly as they think they should be, intensely critical, condemning a false prophet. Well, no, he's not a prophet at all. He's a pastor. He didn't claim to be a prophet. He just said, I had this dream. I want to share the dream with you. But, oh, the vitriol that is tossed at him. Well, that's, that's really what this Pharisee is all about. Uh, it's, repentance is really never possible when there's no room for, for repentance. A person has to have room in their life. just because you have a need to repent doesn't mean you're going to repent not if you don't have room in your heart for repentance not if you think you're just fine the way you are and many today i fear some of you truly have no room in your heart to repent you think you're you're doing well you're all right you're on the road And it's these other poor saps. It's these other poor sinners. If they just get it right, then we could deal one with another. Men of pride always have ways of redefining sin. So when they look at their life, someone from the outside would say they're really proud and arrogant. But they would not say they were proud or arrogant because they have redefined what pride means. Sin is what someone else does. They're clean. The sinner usually doesn't believe he's a sinner. And again, I apologize for the noise. There's construction of a of an asphalt driveway right outside my window, and it seems that they have camped right there. And that's all right. This broadcast needs to go forward. So please, heads up and be patient with me. I almost canceled today and then said no I'm not going to let the devil do that I'm going to speak the word of God now let's talk about the publican the tax collector he's obviously utterly despised by the Jewish people because he collects taxes for Rome they consider him a traitor of no value He's garbage. He's not anyone who should be even looked at twice. He should be spit upon. He's an evil man. While the Pharisee says, Oh God, I'm thankful to you that I'm not as the rest of men, swindlers and unjust and adulterers or even as this tax collector. I fast twice the week. I'm I'm tithing all the things I have. As much as I get, I pay tithe on. So the Pharisee, he is a very religious man. And please, we've been taught in the American church to look down on the Pharisees, but please understand. The Pharisees were the religious righteous of that day. They were considered Above everyone else, because of their devotion to God. They were respected in the culture. They were the ones who were the true followers of the Lord God of heaven. And yet, there is this pride in them, and now he compares himself to the tax collector and says, I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector, oh God. I'm glad I know to pay my tithe. I'm glad I know to to read the scriptures and to pray. I'm glad I know, oh God, what is expected of me. So yes, he's the righteous one, he's the good boy, and the publican is the bad boy. tax collector he doesn't even come near he stands at a distance he knows he's unclean he can't even lift up his eyes to heaven he was striking himself in his chest and he was crying out oh God please be merciful to me the sinner Not, oh God, please be merciful to me, a sinner. Please be merciful to me with all of the sinners here. He didn't say that. He said, Lord God, please be merciful to me. I'm the sinner here. I'm the sinner. Now we've... We've talked about Romans. I'm going to turn to it very quickly with you. Romans, the sixth chapter. I want you to hear this again in the context of what I just shared with you. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves That is a work of God. That is the work of being born from above. This publican was meeting the criteria for being crucified with Christ. To be crucified with Christ means to come fully into the understanding that I am a sinner. that I have no place of standing in my own right, that I that I, in my flesh am unclean before a holy and just God. This is how the person must come. It says, If we have been united with him like this in his death, We certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. This man is saying, oh God, free me from my sin. Wash me. While the the Pharisee was saying, You know, I've got this pretty well together. I know what I'm doing. I'm reading the scripture. I'm giving my tithes and offerings. I pray. I fast. I love my family. And yet, there is this sliver of pride. There is this this pride that somehow doesn't let him die, doesn't let him be crucified with Christ. I can tell you this. When a man or a woman is crucified with Jesus, they are finished with sin. But I want to go much further than that. When a man or woman is crucified with Christ there are no longer grumbles in his spirit. There's no longer anger or impatience in his spirit. When a man is crucified with Christ there's no longer accusations against a brother or a sister or against a tax collector. How much different it would have been had the Pharisee gone to the tax collector and put his arm around his shoulder and said, Brother, I'll pray with you. You've got to come through. All of us have been unclean before God. And you must come through. You must die to self. What a difference it would have been for that publican. But instead, the Pharisee stood afar off and said, I don't like the way you're talking. I don't like the way you sound. I don't like the way you smell. I don't like the way you look. I don't like who you are. I'm not going to associate with you. I'm cutting you off. You're not worthy of me. My. My. This publican is right in the middle of being born from above. He's right in the middle of being crucified with Christ. Now, it's not often clean. It's not often smooth. It's not often pretty. It's usually filled with anger and struggle it's not easy to die if it were easy to die we'd all do it quickly but it's not easy to die it's not easy to let go of self i have people that i i love with all my heart who are so religious and so judgmental and look down and despise me because I haven't measured up to their expectations oh he's this he's that he makes foolish decisions all of that's true all of that is true What a difference it makes when we come to Jesus and recognize that we're always going to make mistakes. It's not sin, it's just immaturity. I think I'll be in heaven a million years and the angels will still be helping me grow up. I have a lot of growing up to do. I'm 75 and I'm still growing, I'm still maturing. How about you? Are you confident in who you are? Are you confident of your standing with Jesus because of your fasting and your prayer and your sacrifice? Do you have judgments against against others? If I spoke with you, could you tell me all of their faults and would you be eager to do so? Or would you let love cover over many sins? Have you ever just wept with somebody? Put your arm around him and said, Brother, I'll walk with you through this Gethsemane. I'll walk with you through this crucifixion. And then when they walked away, you didn't get mad. You said, I understand it's not easy, but I'm not going to let you go. It's hard to lay down judgments and, and accusations because they make us somebody. They make us seem more important. They make us seem like we know what we're doing. And if people would just listen to us and do what we say, then it would all work out according to how it should work out. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's hard to consider yourself dead. But that's what Romans 6 says. It says, come. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let him crucify you. Let him end this Pharisaical life. Make the mistake on the side of compassion and kindness, courtesy. Make this mistake on the side of compassion. Now, in this story, this man stands there beating on his chest. Oh, God. Please be merciful to me, the sinner. I'm saying to you, this is Jesus speaking, I am saying to you, this man went down to his house having been justified rather than the other man. That word justified literally in the Greek is rendered innocent. Rendered. Rendered. Do you know what that word means? You render something when you put it on a hot fire. And you scoop off the impurities. You're rendering it. This man Went down to his house, having been justified, having been rendered innocent. Something is going on as this man is confessing his great sin before God. He is being rendered. This is what repentance is as we come before God and we begin to acknowledge our own wickedness, not making excuses, not accusing others, not feeling like if others just had my smarts, the world would be a much better place. If, if other people would just do what I tell them to do, the world would be a much better place. I'm the man of judgment and discernment, and if you'll listen to me, then everything will be okay. this man is in the process of being born from above. He is dying and being crucified with Christ. And he's going to come out of this a very different man. He's going to come out humble but exalted. While the Pharisee is going to come out Humbled in the end and ashamed and cast down. Oh, he's proud now, but that pride is passing. It will quickly dissipate in the light of the sunshine. This man. Well, let me read it to you. Verse 14. This is Luke 18, verse 14. I'm saying to you, this man went down to his house, having been rendered innocent, or rendered righteous. The word justified is an old English word meaning to be made righteous. Dikasune is the Greek word that is used in the Old Testament indicating covered covered the sins in the old testament were not were covered they were not forgiven until jesus died on calvary but after jesus died on calvary after he came and spoke his word and moved with power to bring about the new birth in men's and women's hearts dikasune means to be made righteous. Sometimes the word justified can mean acquitted, as found in one place in the first chapters of the book of Romans. But everywhere else in the book of Romans, when it says you are justified, it means you have been rendered righteous, rendered innocent. You see, justification has been falsely taught that it's just the forgiveness of past sins, Wrong. Justification in the New Testament, Dikasune, means that my past sins are forgiven, but it's not a forensic. It's not a legal forgiving. It is the sins have been wiped out. They've been removed. But now, by the grace of God, I'm made righteous with real righteousness, not imputed righteousness. That's such a, a lie that has deceived God's people. Tell me, Which would you rather have? Would you rather have your sins forgiven and have to keep going back time after time, grieving over your sin, time after time having to go back, go back, go back, never gaining the victory? Or would you rather come to Jesus and die to self, be crucified with Christ, and be rendered innocent before God and in reality? And have the victory over all sin. Oh, you'll still be tempted. Adam and Eve were tempted when they were perfect in the garden. But the Word says no temptation will come to us but what God will make a way of escape. There is no excuse for sin in the New Testament. When we are born from above, we are born again in the newness of Christ Jesus. Isn't it exciting to you, the concept, the possibility of absolute victory over all sin in your heart and your life? You don't have to work at it. God is not a hard God, it's not by striving, it's not by works, it is by a sovereign work of grace that God does in our hearts. This is such a strange concept for the New Testament. And they were so excited by it. And as they experienced the power of God giving them that new birth, and as they changed so dramatically, not over a long period of time, quickly as they were crucified with Christ as the holy spirit came in power they walked in such glorious victory before god isn't that exciting to you that that is a gift god will give to you today by faith you have the victory in jesus christ over all sin all pride all arrogance all judgments. Oh, what a sweet place the church would be if it were filled with victorious men and women who had gone and cried out, O God, have mercy on me a sinner, and been born from above and filled with the Spirit. Now there were those who were our examples, who made very serious mistakes. Peter rebuked by Paul, but Peter didn't cut Paul off. Peter repented. Paul's cutting off of Mark. A bitter battle with Barnabas. The Lord was not pleased, and and he punished the apostle Paul for that. But you remember in the end, he said, bring Mark to me. He's, He's of great value. He made peace with, with Mark. You see, Jesus came to deliver sinners like this publican, sinners like this tax collector, for that is truly who we all have been. And it's so easy to go back to the pharisaical position Being harsh and arrogant and proud, cutting off and separating and judging, withholding. It's so easy for me to go back to that, and I absolutely refuse, in the name of Jesus, to cast aside his righteousness for any supposed righteousness of my own. I don't want it, It's, it's a stench in my nostrils that makes me vomit. Now, the last part of this. For everyone exalting himself will be humbled, but the one humbling himself will be exalted. Well, how do you humble yourself? By admitting the truth about your real condition. And if you don't know your real condition, begin to cry out to God and say, Oh, God, show me my condition before you. Show me the depth of my wickedness. Show me in any way that I stand opposed to your gospel, Jesus. Show me, Lord. Reveal to me my true heart. Show me the work of the devil in my life. Show me where I'm deceived. Show me where I have been hard and calloused and mean, where I have spoken harshly with my wife or with my husband or my children. Show me where I've been judgmental in the church. Show me where I've had the pastor for lunch, criticizing him and Oh God, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And in that rendering process, it doesn't need to take a lifetime. It doesn't take a lifetime. It would if it were up to me and I had to work through every issue. I don't work through every issue. I surrender every issue to Jesus and to his heart. And I trust him to do what he needs to do to change me and make me like him. I trust him. I didn't sleep much last night. I was awake from three until... I got up. I just lay in bed and wept and cried and prayed. I know only the Lord can carry me through. I don't have a house to live in yet. I put in an application, but I haven't heard back one dear sister wrote to me and said I've been praying for you and the Lord said you're like Abraham the Lord said he would provide for you a place to lay your head I know that's true but see it's in the midst of somebody being in the house painting and sanding and everything is covered with a white dust and and everything is happening and the house is all torn up that's when we can become very impatient And I just said, Lord, not one word of grumbling will come from my heart or my mouth. I just thank you for what you're doing. You're making everything new. Things are going to dramatically change now. I'm going to be moving to a new place, and you're going to meet me there. And I'm praising you and honoring you and glorifying your name. And I'm saying to my landlord, Paul, whatever I can do to help you, just let me know and I'll do it. He's not a Christian. He's a pagan. His wife is a total non-believer, an atheist. All I can do is serve them. They're called landlord. In other words, it's my job not to make their life hard, but to make their life easy, to cooperate, to help. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Every area where we find bitterness or anger or criticism welling up in our heart, know that that covers a point of sin in our hearts. And that thing has to be given to Jesus. It's not something you're going to work on. I can tell you there was a time in my life when I would have freaked out over my situation right now. I would have been angry at the landlord. I would have been angry at the painter in my house all week. I would have been angry at the the noise outside. None of that's in me anymore. It's all been removed by Jesus. That's what happens when a man is crucified. He becomes a new creature in Christ. This is not pie-in-the-sky stuff. This is very practical stuff. Someone steals from you a great deal of, of money. You don't go after them and denounce them and curse them and take them to court. I'd rather be cheated than take somebody to court. There was a time when I would have collected my pound of flesh. Look, I'm not perfect in the sense that I still make mistakes. I still have infirmities. But I'm not walking in known rebellion against God. I'm walking by faith and victory with a heart utterly given over to Jesus. Now, can you say the same? I pray you can. I pray your heart is open and soft and pliable for Jesus to move you to do what he wants you to do, to go where he wants you to go, to say what he wants you to say with no rancor, no bitterness, no anger, doing good works that were prepared before the foundation of the world for you to do. Living as a a loving Christian, just, merciful, kind. That's what we're called to. This is a model of repentance that I've shared with you today. We can refuse to repent. We can be full of our own self-righteousness and our own demands and our own judgments and our own accusations. Or we can be rendered righteous, rendered innocent by the Lord taking us through a crucifixion process. The greatest need in the church today is that the church of Jesus Christ in North America be crucified with him. This is the singular need of the American church, to lay down our pride, to lay down our arrogance, to stop trying to impress people or God but to come with humble hearts and say Lord finish this work in me I lay my life down before you well we're about out of time for today's broadcast I'm grateful you've been listening I pray it's been helpful to you I pray it's laid out a a model that you'll pursue for repentance. And if you don't know if there's anything in your heart, ask Jesus and he'll show you. He's here to minister to you and to save your soul. But humble your heart and be open and listen. Maybe ask your husband or maybe ask your wife, Honey, Am I a humble man? Am I a humble woman? Or am I arrogant in my treatment of you? Am I judgmental of you? Let your wife or your husband answer honestly. Or ask a good friend. How do you see me? Am I a kind and compassionate and strong person in Jesus? Or do you see me as a hypocrite? And listen carefully to what they say without judgment. So you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Again, I apologize for all the construction noises. I'm in the midst of a construction project. Not mine, but the landlord's. And it's okay. Let me pray with you. Lord, I just come. And I bind every power of the enemy that would blind our eyes to our true condition. I bind every demonic spirit that would come against your people to keep them in bondage to their sin. I stand by faith that the blood of Jesus is being applied right now to every listener That the sprinkling by the blood is going on right now. That you are washing and cleansing your people. That you are bringing us through in victory. By your precious blood. Lord, there are some today who need healing. Your blood is also for healing. And I pray today. Right now, that those who need healing will receive it in the name of Jesus. I declare the name of Jesus over you, my brother, my sister, and I declare the healing power of God moving now in the name of Jesus in your body and in your spirit. Lord, I thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. if you'd like to help this month with the cost of this radio broadcast, would you go to nationalprayerchapel.com? It's been a long time since anyone has given online. I need to hear from you. So go to the upper right-hand corner of that webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. Also, you can give by writing to me And the address is the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Do you notice that as we finish the broadcast, it's silence. Thank you, Jesus. We serve such an awesome God. Such a magnificent God. A God filled with such compassion and love. And yet a just God. I praise his name today with you, my brother and my sister. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.